this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Jamie All Over. I hope everyone had a lovely Easter and a great weekend. I had a really fun weekend if you saw on my Instagram or anywhere else you may already know that Friday night we went to emo night in LA before that we had dinner at Sugar Taco on Melrose and when I get to go to emo night with a bunch of my friends it is always the most fun night you can have I always say it's the most fun night in LA I hate clubs typically I don't do them I'm way past that stage And I don't really even enjoy being at bars. It's kind of boring. So the whole LA nightlife thing is definitely not for me. But the one thing that I will do is Emo Night LA. As mentioned, we started at Sugar Taco. I ordered way too much food for everybody. I had so many leftover tacos. I was giving them to other patrons in the restaurant, just handing them out, asking if anybody wanted any. We had a couple guys come and the guys... We're like, oh, I'm not eating. I'm like, are you kidding me? Brock and Kale, neither one of them were eating. And I was like, oh, my God, I need you guys to eat this food. So definitely ordered too many. And I hate to waste food. But I think Sheena and Brock took some home. So that made me happy. We did a drink special for the evening called the Revenge Dress. And it had to be red, obviously. So it was a watermelon margarita, but made to be spicy, which we don't necessarily have on the menu. It's always my secret order when I go there. So we made that into a drink special for the night. Unfortunately, Ariana was still flying back from New York at the time that we were having dinner, so she didn't join us until we got to emo night. As I was standing by the counter putting in some drink orders, I saw someone walk into Sugar Taco with guy liner and a My Chemical Romance t-shirt. I look at him thinking I don't know who it is, and I was like, oh, you must be here for our group for the emo night thing. Hi, I'm Jamie, and I go to shake his hand, and I don't even recognize him, but it's Jerry, producer Jerry, who, if you are a reality show listener, I know I have a lot of you guys, but I have others who are not, so if you watch Vanderpump Rules, he is their showrunner. So obviously I know what he looks like. I've seen him before. I've met him before, but I did not recognize him, and then he goes into the back, and Nobody recognized him. They were like, oh, my God, it's Jerry. So he did a great job dressing up for emo night, I will say. And it was fun to have him there. So Sheena, Katie and Ariana all did a DJ set. They killed it. Everyone was asking what the set list was. So for my emo fans out there, let me try to recall what they did. I know that they opened with a cover by A Day to Remember, the song by Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. 
And then I think they went into That's What You Get by Paramore. After that, it's a little spotty. I know that they closed with Hands Down, Dashboard Confessional, my absolute favorite band. Prior to that, I know there was Ocean Avenue played, that song by Coheed, a Favor House Atlantic. There was a Panic song. I'm pretty sure it was I Write Sins. What am I missing here? Oh, there was a used song. They did The Taste of Ink. There was another A Day to Remember song. Now, this one surprised me because when Katie was showing me the set list, I was like, wait a minute, I don't even know that song. And I love A Day to Remember. It was hard. It went really hard. The name of it is Mr. Highway's Thinking About the End. And it's on the Homesick album, which I've listened to many times. I know the exact cover art of it. So many other good songs on there. Normally, my go-to when I DJ Emo Night is the downfall of us all. When I DJed the one in San Diego a month or two ago, I think I told you guys, I did two A Day to Remember songs back-to-back. I did If It Means a Lot to You, and then I went right in to Downfall of Us All, which I think was unexpected, and the crowd absolutely loved it. What else am I missing from their set list? Did I name them all? They played like 10 songs, I think. That's the gist of it. They did amazing we had hoodies made for the event. So back when we went to the premiere watch party at Elaine's house, I had taken my Every Night is Emo Night hoodie. As a joke, I just took paper and I took a black Sharpie. I just wrote the letters VPR and literally taped it to the hoodie. It definitely did not last the entire night. We did get a picture of it. I think Courtney ended up sending it to TJ, who runs Emo Night. He has also been on this podcast, by the way, with his wife, Erin Gilfoy, who you may know from the Vlog Squad. But if you have not heard that episode, if you're a new listener here, I would suggest going back and listening to that one if you want any history on Emo Night. So anyway, Courtney had sent that photo of the altered Emo Night hoodie to TJ. And I think we kind of all just forgot about it. And then before their DJ set, Courtney was like, wait, we should have these made. Let's surprise TJ with one. So she had one made for me, herself, TJ, and then the three girls who were DJing, Sheena, Katie, and Ariana. Oh, and Brock wore one too. I actually did an IG live of their set, which you can find on my page if you're interested in watching it. But after all of that, everyone was like, where do we get these hoodies? So Emo Night actually started selling them. So if you go to the Emo Night merch page, you can get yours there if you're interested. This is not my merch. Yes, it may have been my idea initially, but it's not fully my idea because it was my idea kind of altering Emo Night's slogan. So I'm sure I have no intellectual property rights to that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm not selling it. People were sending me screenshots of their receipts. Yes, I'm so glad you're supporting Emo Night, but I don't want anyone thinking it's my merch. It's definitely not my merch. I'm not getting anything from it. There was also a surprise at Emo Night. After the girls set, Mod Sun did a DJ set, and he also performed his song Karma. So what was kind of a full circle moment with that was that I played Karma after my Team Sheena podcast episode. And so many people were DMing me saying like, thank you for introducing me to Monson. I love his music. And I was like, yes, he's awesome. Kale and I were talking about him at the end of that episode. For him to do a set after Ariana and Sheena and Katie do their set, I just thought that that was kind of full circle and really interesting. He also had someone on his guest list by the name of Colson. 
I don't know who they think they're fooling. So we're like, oh, cool. So MGK is coming tonight. As Maud's son is performing and I'm filming it, I see like my friends turn around and look at the balcony right above me and they're like pointing or whatever. So I turn around and I get it on my camera and it's this very tall man in like a bunny mask or something. But it was obviously MGK. So he's in that video. If you go see my video of Karma and I turn around and in fact, I posted a screenshot of that. I was like, when disguises don't work. But so many of you thought it was Schwartz or Raquel. Could you imagine if they went to their set and just tried to wear a disguise so they could watch the set? (laughs) That had me cracking up. But no, it was MGK. I had way too much tequila because I had a, I think I had two revenge dress drinks at Sugar Taco. And honestly, that's my limit. I can't have more than two drinks. And I only recently went back to tequila because I realized I think I'm allergic to wine. Every time I drink wine, my face gets super swollen and I feel so sick. I might even get sick after just two glasses of wine. When I was in Palm Springs a couple weeks ago, Sheena gave me two glasses of rosé. That is all I had. I went to bed and I woke up throwing up. And I realized every time I drink wine... I feel awful, especially the next day. So sadly, I think I'm allergic to it. I don't know if it's the sulfites or maybe even the fact that a lot of wine isn't vegan and that might be like throwing my system off a bit. And if you're wondering why wine isn't vegan, it's because when wine is made, there's a lot of particles left in it. And this is not a scientific explanation whatsoever. This is very layman's terms. But they use different things to filter it out. Sometimes that's fish bladder. So unless a wine says that it's specifically vegan, it's not. I'm not always asking if the wine is vegan or not. So to make my life easier, I think I'm just going to stop drinking wine, sadly. I love a good Pinot Noir or a Cabernet with an Italian meal. Just went up to Central Coast. They have amazing Pinot Noir and Cabernets, and I didn't even have any. So I don't know. I think I'm off wine, unless I can find one that does not give me that reaction. And I don't know really what's causing it. So anyway, long story short, I had tequila And I know damn well I need to stop at two drinks because I'm such a lightweight. I go months without having a drink, but then I'll go out like on Friday night and I just overdo it because I'm not thinking about it and my body can't handle it because my tolerance is so low because I don't drink on a regular basis. I guess when we got to the venue, we went down into the green room. We all definitely had a shot of tequila then. I may have made a drink with tequila and pineapple, half a drink in the green room as well. And then we go upstairs, they do their set, and I think that's all I had. And then this guy came who I've been talking to, and I may have had some of his drink, but I was already drunk at that point. I'm sure that one shot put me over after the two drinks at Sugar Taco. So I definitely need to remind myself, Jamie, you can't have more than two. Seriously, I just wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about how fun everything was. You just don't think, but I really need to because I saw... Brad posted a group shot. It was, I guess, when we were all leaving and it was in the alleyway, like just outside of the venue. I initially look at the shot of everybody. I'm like, oh, where was I? I'm sad I didn't take that. And then I'm looking and I'm looking and then I see my face and I'm actually in the picture. And I was like, oh, I was there. (laughs) So then I made a comment to Brad about that. And he wrote back, there's a story for this. And then all of a sudden I get those anxiety chills where like your heart drops. I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? What did I do during this picture? What is he about to tell me? So he ends up texting me and he was like, yeah, that's not your face in that picture. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is the picture that we really took and the one that everyone chose. But I said we could not do Jamie dirty like that. You guys, I was the only face in the entire picture that was in motion. It was blurry. Everyone else was perfectly still. Mine is looking up, laughing and blurry. And clearly I'm drunk. So... Brad was like, I can't do her dirty like that. I would like to know who approved that picture, though, because you are not my friends. He photoshopped a face of mine from, I guess, a different picture and put it into that group shot before he posted. That is a true friend. That is how you know if someone is good or not, (laughs) is how they do you dirty or not dirty when they're posting photos of you. Thank you, Brad. I will never forget that you did that. For me, it means so much. And it's like, oh, who cares? Don't be so vain about it. But it's like, no, it's those little things that when friends show that they care about you, that's what's important to me. So I appreciate it. I remember Dana getting into the mosh pit. That was a highlight for me. She had so much fun. I think it was her first emo night. And she was like, there was my life before emo night and now is my life after. She has been converted. And then, oh my gosh, at the end of the girl's set, a chant broke out saying, fuck Tom. Then yesterday, I get a text from TJ saying he's been blocked from Tom Sandoval on the most extras Instagram page. But not only was he blocked... Every person who works for Emo Night, including their intern, who I don't even know who their intern is. I would have no way of figuring out who that is. The intern was also blocked from that page because they posted a story that said, fuck Emo Night. We're here for Tom Sandoval on the most extras show. So TJ responded to that and he just wrote night, N-I-T-E, correcting the spelling And after that, he got blocked and he got everyone who works for Emo Night blocked. So Emo Night has officially entered the Scandival chat. And I've been told it's the drummer who operates that page. And Lexi from the Pump Rules page was also saying that she was getting a lot of DMs from people saying that they've been blocked, too. So I guess he's just on a blocking rampage. So I slept at Brett's place after Emo Night. I was in no position to be driving. Woke up the next morning For some reason, Brett wanted to show me the most recent Vanderpump Rules episode, and I was begging him not to. Oh, I know why, because he was talking about how my conversation with Raquel on The Catamaran aired. And I was like, oh, God, did they show the full conversation? And he's like, well, just watch it. I'll show it to you. I was like, no, I don't want to watch it. Please don't put it on. I was like, just tell me this, because I remember my conversation that I had with her, and I remember telling her how proud I am of her. I was like, I'm so proud of you for being so independent now and getting over your breakup and realizing you were in a relationship and a situation you weren't happy in and you got out before you ended up going through with a marriage. I'm really proud of you. And I was like really kind of supporting her hardcore on that conversation. And they only ended up airing, I guess, a part when I was saying, so I heard Lala didn't want to come. What happened with that? And I don't think my face was shown, which is probably why I didn't even know that that was aired, because otherwise I probably would have gotten DMs about it. And that's why I didn't even want to watch the episode. And I was begging Brett to not play it, because after the one with the hotel room mishap and the entire show getting it wrong of what actually happened, I'm not going into it. I don't even want to bring this topic up again. It was so stupid and so minuscule. And I can't even believe it was a storyline. And I think it probably just was a storyline to explain why was Katie in Mexico. And this was the story leading up to that. But after that episode, which 
you know, I guess Katie said something to the effect that it's not her fault that I waited two weeks before the wedding to book my room. So I was just getting a lot of hate from people saying, like, I shouldn't have expected Katie to give me her room. But the thing is, I never, here I am saying I don't want to talk about it and I'm explaining it, but I never knew that this was happening. I didn't even know this was a storyline. I didn't know that any of this was happening. I never asked Katie to give up her room. I had booked it way back in April. I didn't wait for two weeks before the wedding to book. So the story of what happened was wrong. Not a big deal, I guess, to anyone from the outside looking in. But to me at that time, it was a big deal and it was kind of hurtful. And I don't blame anybody because they don't know any better. They only know what they're shown. And even Katie saying that, I never even blamed her for saying that because she was probably told that that's what happened and she was just repeating it. I don't think she knew that that wasn't the case. I was just getting a lot of hate about it, making fun of me basically for not booking the room and waiting so long. And then there was another conversation that was also false going around that because I believe Ariana said something out had to do with the deposit, which it did not. I had paid my deposit. It was all good. The only thing it had to do with was that what I paid the deposit on, the credit card, which went through, it was absolutely fine. The deposit was only like 300 something, went through in April. My room was booked. And then I just assume, like with any other hotel that I've booked in the past, you pay your deposit if they want like a one night's deposit. You pay that. And then when you arrive at the hotel, upon checkout, you pay the rest because there might be incidentals and whatnot. Their policy was that they took the balance two weeks prior to check-in. I did not know this. And it's absolutely my fault I did not know this. I don't read the fine print. I just didn't, you know. And I think that definitely goes back to my ADHD situation. And it's kind of, for me, it's just like a relief to be like, okay, good. It's done. It's booked. I didn't forget to do it. That's a relief. I can move on to the next thing that I need to do, you know. So... When I paid for the deposit, it was on a credit card that was expiring in July. So I'm paying this in April. I'm absolutely not thinking like, oh, I shouldn't use this card because it expires in July. I didn't know that another payment was coming out of this card. So they tried to take the payment for the balance in August on an expired credit card. The hotel said that they tried to contact me by email to update my credit card, but I did not get that email. The only email I got from them was that my room was canceled. But the moment I woke up and I checked my emails and I saw it, I called the hotel and they were like, well, we tried to tell you. And I was like, can you produce that email? Because I didn't get it. What email address did you send it to? Like, I never got that email to update my credit card. And this is really important. I can't have this room be canceled. And they could not produce the email that they sent me, which is kind of strange. I think it slipped through the cracks. I don't think they reached out. But again, my fault for not reading the fine print anyway. So lost my room. And I guess in that time, Sheena had asked Katie to give up her room because all Sheena knew at the time was that Katie was no longer going to the wedding and was saying that the only reason she was still going was because she paid for the room in full. So Sheena offered to buy the room off of her so she could give it to me and I could pay for the room. It was a whole thing that you saw play out. But like I said, I didn't know any of this was happening. I didn't ask her for the room. I didn't expect her to give it to me. I don't think she should have given it to me. And it absolutely was not her problem. And if she wanted to go, she had absolutely every right to go. And then the hotel ended up releasing more rooms about a week later, and I was able to make another reservation and all was fine. But I guess the reason I went into that whole explanation was to say that after that aired and I got all of these people making fun of me for being so careless to pay something on a card that was expiring and they never would have done that or... 
I saw other ones where people were like, oh, she just couldn't afford the deposit. Her deposit didn't go through. She couldn't afford it. Broke bitch, blah, blah, blah. That one, I think, was the one that put me over the edge. And I wasn't really seeing these things. People were sending me screenshots that this is what people were writing on Reddit. I don't have Reddit. I don't read it. If these are the things that are on there, I don't want to be reading it all the time. It's just too negative. But they were sending them to me. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, it didn't even have anything to do with that. It didn't have to do with the deposit. I can afford the room. But the reason I think that put me over the edge is because I am I was just thinking of all the other people reading that on Reddit who can't afford a $1,000. In fact, I think it was like, you know, like $1,200, $1,300, $1,400, somewhere in that range. And I know the state of the economy and I know so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. How many people read that who couldn't afford that room? Okay, you're making all of them feel like shit. And there was absolutely a time in my life when It was just me and Ivy. I'm a single mom. I had kicked out my ex for cheating. I had no help whatsoever. I didn't have any family in LA. And I had left a well-paying job to work from home. You know, when I first had Ivy, nobody was really working from home. Those jobs were few and far between. And I just knew I didn't want to put her in daycare all day. So I sacrificed a good job for a job in which I could work from home. And my budget was definitely slashed at that point and times were hard for a bit. And there was absolutely a time when I couldn't afford that. And I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. We all have ups and downs in life. Most of us do. And even the fact that if someone can't afford that, so what? That doesn't mean they're any less of a person. You know, it just put me over the edge. It really pissed me off, especially as a small business owner and seeing like all the businesses put out of business during this pandemic and everyone just losing jobs. I don't know. I'm just really cognizant of that. I didn't want to read that because I didn't want other people who were in that position, like I was at one point, to feel bad about themselves. And then on top of it, you know, making fun of me for waiting so long to book a room. Typically, yeah, I probably would have if it wasn't my best friend's wedding. With ADHD, I now know all of these symptoms that I have is because of that, but I forget to do so many things. So the fact that people were coming down hard on me about that, I'm like, oh my God, That's not what happened this time, but those are things that I do and things I've done my whole life. And these are things that at one point in my life made me suicidal. It started when I was about 14, all the symptoms. And after five years of it, thinking people hate me because I'm different and thinking what is wrong with me and not knowing what's wrong with me, I was planning to kill myself. I did not think I was going there in this episode. I've talked about this several times on the podcast and I've cut it because I never thought it was the right time to discuss this. And I honestly don't even think this is the right episode to discuss suicide. So I kind of, what am I doing? Okay, fuck it. Let's go there. Trigger warning. I'm going to keep it brief, but trigger warning. If you don't want to hear it, I would say fast forward, maybe five minutes. I was on vacation in Montreal with my family and with my boyfriend. And so my boyfriend and I had our own room and then my mom and dad, and I think my two brothers were in another room. I was 19 at the time. And we were spending the day walking around the city. And now I know this is a symptom of ADHD, but I didn't know it then. And I just thought people were looking at me with like these looks of disgust on their face and like everybody hated me. It just got into my head. I'm so sick of feeling this way. I'm so sick of feeling different and that everyone would just be happier if I was not here. So that night we go to our hotel room And I go to the window and I'm planning to jump. I know, thinking back on it now, how selfish, like how awful and traumatic would that have been for every single person there on that trip with me? Thank God I'm still here. But when you're in that 
when you're that low, you don't even think you don't even think of the consequences. You're not thinking about sadly, but you're not thinking about the other people. You're just thinking everyone would be happier if I was gone. And that's a completely irrational thought. And it's part of ADHD. It's called rejection sensitive dysphoria. You can just take rejection really hard or you just think people hate you. And so dealing with that as a teen and not really knowing what was happening, it was my belief that nobody wanted me here. And so I go to the window and I try to open it. We're on a high floor and I couldn't get the window open. It was just impossible. It wasn't opening whatsoever. Because I couldn't get the window open, I just went to bed and didn't say anything to anyone. And I woke up the next morning and I felt better and it passed. And this thing that we have, it will pass. And I know that now. It's not a feeling that you live with. It comes and it goes. So it passed. I was like, you know, I just want to check something. And I went to the window and I tried to open it and it opened very easily. And it was like that moment that I knew, okay, I have angels or someone who passed who loved me was there. Whatever it was that kept that window shut the night before, that was the moment that I knew, like, I'm supposed to be here. I'm meant to be here. I was spared for something. I don't really like saying it like that because honestly, when people do follow through with their plans, it doesn't mean that they weren't meant to be here, you know, or that they were any less because something like that didn't happen for them. I know everyone is worthy and I know everyone is supposed to be here. Oh, this is so sensitive. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. But I just knew I'm like, okay, I have a purpose. I'm here for a reason. And I never forgot that. So after this whole thing, it's so silly, but after this whole thing with the last episode with me, with the room and people sending me hate, it kind of like triggered that again. Those thoughts like, oh my God, everybody hates me or nobody understands me or no matter how much I explain myself or what really happens, they don't want to know the truth. They don't, they just want to hate me. They would rather hate me instead of hearing like the logical explanation. And it started to bring those feelings back and I got really scared. But now I'm equipped with the tools and I know what it is and I know why that happened and I know that it's not true and I know that people love me and I have people around that love me and I know that I would leave a very big void in this world if I did leave, as would anyone else. We're all here for a reason. I would never do that. I'm so far from that. But when that happened, it did scare me because it did trigger those things that I haven't been feeling for a very long time. But I got over that hump. I talked it out. I expressed my feelings to like a close friend about it. She understood. And it just helped to like say it out loud and be like, I'm not going to do this, but these thoughts are coming up again. And this is why. Because this friend was like, oh, just get over it. You just got to shake it off. And that's what quote unquote normal people can do. They can just shake that stuff off and be like, it doesn't matter. But it hits me a little bit differently. It's weird because it's like two different ends of the spectrum that I deal with. You know, I'm vegan and I'm fighting for the animals and I don't care what you think of me. I've developed such a thick skin through going through all of that, that I have thick skin in that respect. However, when this happened, it wasn't like that I needed people to like me, but it was that I was starting to feel like, oh, people just want to hate me regardless. And they don't want to know the truth. They don't want to understand me or people won't ever understand me. And I think that's the part that I kind of had to work through, which I did. And it's okay. I understand, like, I don't need everyone to get me or understand me. Like I said, I don't need anyone to like me. And I heard a really great quote. I wish I could give credit to whoever I heard it from, but I don't recall who said it. But they said, if you wouldn't let someone into your home, why would you let them into your head? And it just clicked for me. I'm like, I don't know these people that are saying this. They're strangers. I don't know them well enough to even let them into my house. Why am I letting them take up this space in my mind and hurting me and getting to me? And that really put things in perspective. So, I mean, I still won't go on there. I still can't read anything. 
And I don't even want to watch the show if I'm in any episodes or if there's anything about me. I don't want to watch it at all. I want nothing to do with it. If there's things reposted, if there's comments, I can't even read it. For my own mental health at this point, people are like, oh, would you ever do the show? Previously, I've always said I'm indifferent. It's not my goal. I don't necessarily see the benefit for me and what I want to achieve in my life. I'm very private with my family, with obviously with Ivy. You guys hear her cute little voice on here, but I don't put her on my Instagram because it's public. She has her own, which is private, and it's less than 50 people, and it's all people that I know personally and family. I just don't put her on the internet, and I protect her in that way because, for me, that's what's right for me. And I don't judge anyone who puts their kids on the internet. That's just what I prefer to not do. So my answer always used to be, well, I'm indifferent. I could take it or leave it, basically. But now, after just that little bit that I went through, I'm like, I don't even think I'm indifferent anymore. I think I'm adverse to it. I will always be there to support my friends if they have big life events, if they have things going on, if the only way I can see them during the time that they're filming is to show up at these things and there happens to be cameras there, I will continue to go and show up. But I do not want to be on the show 100%. I know that. And I know my mental health could not handle it. And I respect the hell out of Dana for making that decision for herself after doing one season of it. It's just not for me. I've never wanted that. And I support all of my friends who do want it. And I'm so happy for them. And I'm happy for all of the opportunities that they get or will get out of having that platform, but it's just not my path. I do want to end on a very positive note, which I brought up people sending me hate about those things and misconceptions and whatnot. And I will say I got way more positive feedback. I got so many amazing DMs, even some emails. People found my email through my Instagram and sent me really sweet emails. I know the ADHD episode touched a lot of you. And that's why I think it's important to continue to talk about things that come up with that, which is, I guess, why I just brought up the whole dark side of it and what it can do to you. It's not a joke. You know, it's not just little things that we do that you can make fun of. There's a wide spectrum of symptoms, and I think it's important to talk about it. And I'm going to continue to learn more about it and share with you as we go. But I'm also happy that... I have some new listeners on board, and it's so nice to hear that you've gone back to listen to older episodes and you're loving the show and the wide variety of topics that are discussed on here. So I'm just so happy to have you here. I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so grateful for all of the love that I did get. It was interesting. I was reading about negative comments versus positive, and it's really scary, but it can help us understand the human brain, which is it takes 17 positive comments to neutralize one negative. And that's just to neutralize. That's not even to feel good or better. Unfortunately, that's just how our mind is. But it's good to be aware of it. I think it helps to overcome it, just being aware of that, that that's the default for our minds. So Ivy was going to come on and do a segment. We were going to recap our San Luis Obispo trip, but I don't feel comfortable having her on this episode with the material that was discussed prior. So I'm going to have to disappoint her a little bit because she's been really excited to come back on and say hello to everyone. She's got some really cool Ivy's interesting facts to share, but I think I'm going to have to save her for maybe next week or maybe the week after. I'm in talks with a really cool guest, so I don't know if this guest will be able to come on for next week or the the week after. So I'll figure it out. But Ivy's going to be coming up soon. Sadly, not today like she wanted and I wanted. But we had a great Easter yesterday. We did a fake egg hunt. If you aren't aware, you can buy fake eggs on Amazon and other places that are dyeable. So whether it's the high cost of eggs or if you are vegan, either way, 
there is an alternative and they're reusable. So that is what we did. And then we took the dogs and we went for a very long walk. We went over to the Irvine Spectrum, which was open on Easter. It was a beautiful day and we just had a very chill Easter and she's back to school today after her one week spring break. So like I said, we'll bring her back. We'll review the San Luis Obispo trip, which was absolutely amazing. And I will talk to you guys next week. Here's the thing, we started out friends It was cool but it was all pretend Yeah, yeah, since you've been gone Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.